What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is a licensed architect with the American Institute of Architects. He's an industry innovator. He has a keen eye for design. He is the VP of Global Design for the USA and Canada at Marriott International. Ladies and gentlemen, Rado Ivanov. Welcome, Rado. Thank you, Dan. Long-time listener, first-time caller. It is a, it <laughs> oh, is my a, God. <laughs> it is a real pleasure seeing you and talking to you, as always. So thank you for inviting me. And uh, uh, you've been a staple of the of the hospitality industry for so long. And I've been a listener to, to your podcast probably from the very beginning. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, and, and it was such an honor for you to invite me. And uh, um, I look forward to talking to you today. Well, I'm so glad that we were we managed to secure some of your valuable time. I know you have so many exciting things that are happening, which will, which I know we're going to dig into uh, here in a, in a in a in a few minutes. Especially with Marriott as like an industry uh, leader and innovator, um, just all the big moves that you guys are undertaking, and we'll get there in a second. But first, uh, I just want to let everyone know I first met Rado. Um, I think we were working on the new. Marriott HQ Hotel um, in downtown Bethesda, which is right, it's a new tower that's built uh, right next to where the new headquarters is moving. So from an office park uh, in Bethesda down there and working with you, I I was furnishing, I was working, I'm working with Berman Falk, we furnished all the furniture there, but um, it was just a pleasure to get to know you through that. And just, you know, you're friends with a lot of my mutual friends down there uh, at the headquarters. And it's just been cool to get to know you. And also the promotion that you've just received. Um, I, I'd love to learn more about that because it seems that as with all these big moves from the office park or like the mothership, as I, I refer to it in, um, it in Bethesda to downtown, it's a radical shift. Um, and it didn't just happen overnight it was a very intentional there was a lot of thought a lot of leadership um and i think a lot of it was so value driven to create that move which to me is just like a mind-blowing move um and a real surprising move but it was a very methodical uh, and i think value driven uh transformation so why don't you tell us a little bit about it because like i think we all want to know what the new marriott headquarters is going to be like and what does it all mean absolutely so you're you're absolutely correct this was a process that uh, i believe started in 2016 or 2015 so it's been almost seven years um and i was involved with it at the end of or 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 mid 2018 i got involved um and it was supposed to be just a little side project that turned out into a full-time job but that's a different story the (laughs) point is the search, the idea started in about 2015, and we started searching for a new site for the new headquarters. It was at the time Arnie Sorensen's vision of upgrading the Marriott, the Marriott's headquarters to a location, to an experience that we all expect uh, from an office building. So it wasn't just about um, 
getting just like hospitality i mean offices have evolved so much and we're talking pre-pandemic we're not even touching the pandemic yet which happened during our uh construction and it's we can spend three but three episodes on this one alone <laughs> but um what what arne's vision was um we are very for for those of you and for those of the listeners who are um who have been to the current headquarters uh, it's a very suburban campus. Um, it's uh, it's uh, it's very horizontal. We have about 110,000 square feet, uh, uh, 110,000 square feet per floor in that building. Very dark uh, floor plate by the nature of the of the design of that building. Surrounded by a sea of parking and 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 bordered by a few highways. So from there, we're going to a completely different location. We're in the middle of downtown Bethesda a block away from Metro, a block away from uh, a bus hub. Um, we also have somewhere between 40 and 50 uh, food and beverage venues within 10 minutes of walking um, distance from the headquarters. We have uh, the Capital Crescent bike path uh, is a few blocks away as well. Um, and we went from this horizontal structure to a 22 story tower, um, which is all glass filled with daylight, not a single office, including our CEO's office, um, touches the exterior of the building. This is, this is one of the most fascinating um, uh, features really? in the building, actually. Every single office, including the CEO's and the president's office, Tony's and Stephanie's offices, they both are interior offices. So um, it, was, it was a radical change, but it was a purposeful change. It was, yeah. it was it was a sought after change as well. So so what uh, I find that very um, I find it very interesting and 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 shocking in a way because mostly you know you hear about the executive offices being the corner suite at a top floor. What was the thinking behind making them interior? And are are they on the top floor? The the C-suite offices? No, actually they're not. And that was part of the vision as well. Being a high-rise building, uh, we have a transfer floor. We have a low-rise elevator bank and a high-rise elevator bank. The transfer floor is where the executive offices are. The idea and the vision of the executives at the, at the time of the, of the conception of the design was that we didn't want to have the executive floor as a sterile space that nobody goes there and you go there only if you're in trouble or um, if you're really, really somebody important. So the executives and, and uh, the leadership team, they wanted to animate that space. They wanted people to go there and to have to go there even without having to do anything with the executive floor. So not only it's in the middle of the building, but it also has a miniature sky lobby, we call it the, the, the hub, um, which includes our IT support uh, desk, it includes uh, lounge space, it includes uh, self-serve grab-and-go, and it's all outside within literally 50 feet from, from the CEO's office. So um, th that was on purpose, and that freed up the top floor, which was our next challenge, who goes on the top floor? Um, because yeah. it, in addition to the, having the best view, nobody's arguing that, um, it also is very symbolic. So we went back and forth and um, Ty Breland, our uh, uh, chief HR offices, uh, officer, 
actually came up with the idea to um, create a learning center and it's called the JW Marriott Associate Growth Center. And instead of being a work floor and having a single department on that floor, we actually at the top of the building on the 21st floor, we have a space that's dedicated to learning, to growth, to development that will be used by Marriott Associates from around the world, not just people that are based at HQ, but on property people, people that come for training, people who come for uh, team building. And it's built as a conference center with everything from uh, pantries and support uh, uh, spaces to uh, large rooms, breakout spaces, pre-function space. Uh, so it can be, it can accommodate um, many different types of uh, meetings and groups and even multiple groups at the same time. That's shocking to me because I've, all, I've, I've actually never heard of that. And I think it's amazing and a testament to the amount of learning and growth and mentorship that happens in every large company. It's the most important thing to any company, right? How do you bring up the next round of leaders? Absolutely. And, and to put that above everyone else, that's not just symbolically, but physically, it's, uh, it's quite a testament. That's a huge step from anything I've heard of. Have you heard of anything like that anywhere else? I mean, I, we, when we started the design of the building, we actually um, went and visited a lot of big uh, company, single occupant office buildings, just to see what we like, just as much as seeing things that we definitely didn't want to do at Merit. And it was, it, it was amazing to, and these are all very, very large companies, um, all over the world, they're, it's either their world or their U.S. or North American headquarters that we visited, uh, similar size to ours. We're about 750,000 square feet above ground, uh, and with the underground parking, we're over a million square feet. Uh, so not that many companies have buildings of that size, but the ones that we visited, it was amazing, the range of features and, and connections and layouts that you would see. So it was it was it was kind of learning on the go, but we also wanted to do something completely different. We wanted to not just build an office building. We wanted to build a home. We wanted to make, we wanted to put the merit soul and heart into the new building. So it went way above, let's have a beautiful office building because there are many of those, but what makes it the merit home? What makes it the world's largest hospitality company headquarters? Um, and there was a lot of thought that went into this. And actually, this was one of the reasons uh, Jeff Voris, our, our um, uh, vice president of, uh, of Global Design Strategies, and I were brought onto the project in 2018. And this was literally the task that we were given, which later on grew up uh, into different things. But uh, you have to make this the home of the world's largest hospitality company. And it's like, okay, well... All right. How do we do that? Um, so, Rado, as, I, as I'm hearing you say that, uh, there's been so many conversations recently that I've had um, where friends or guests that I'm talking to work at these larger companies, more on the architectural design side, um, but they're the hospitality little silo within this big company, right? But all these other projects that are happening, whether it's office or aviation or 
wellness or whatever, they're bringing in the hospitality folks so that they could take these other projects and look at them through a hospitality lens, right? And I'm what I'm hearing you say, obviously Marriott is the biggest hospitality company in the world. Um, what were the challenges and outcomes in taking this big class A, beautiful new office tower and looking at it through a hospitality hospitality lens? Like, I guess before you answer that, how how do you look at what hospitality means Number one. And number two, how did that filter apply to this new amazing move downtown that you're doing? It's hospitality to me is an experience, Dan. Um, mm. We humans, we have we have the ability of, of putting our finger on um, anything that we uh, don't like. We're very good at pointing. We, I don't like... Uh, I don't like sour, I don't like sweet, I don't like light, I don't like green, I don't like something. But if you ask people what makes them happy and what they like and what creates a good experience for them, they can't always define it. So mm -hmm. I think if a space, a location, uh, a, a building, if it, if it feels good, if it makes us feel good, it's probably because it's providing an experience for all the five senses. It's not just the visual, it's not just the proportions, but we have to take into account everything else that's happening. The tactile, the sounds, the smell, um, the, the, the taste. I mean, we go to restaurants and it's not that impressive of a design or space, but the, the, the food is so amazing and we kept coming back to the same place. It might be a hole in the wall somewhere. So it's about combining this, these five senses into an experience as, in my opinion, what creates great hospitality. And hospitality as an industry is, an industry, is what makes the world a, a smaller place through the power of, of travel. So getting that experience and expanding it around the world, this is what makes our industry and this is what we're trying to bring into an office building. Does that okay. answer your question? It does. Look. So now, so now if you look at, so I, when you guys, I think in 2018, you mentioned Jeff, Jeff and you were brought on to help kind of lead this transition into the new building or help design the new building. Were you two going to all these other class A single occupant office buildings and seeing what you like and what you don't like? Were you like, was it an ongoing trip of, of seeing what was happening? No, everything has to, has to come to an end in design as much as little as we all like it as designers and architects. But eventually, no, we did the tour and then we 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 sat down and we said, um, none of this is actually what we're looking for. We need something different because okay, so that uh, sorry to cut you off because that no, no, to no. me that to me is really interesting because I heard you say a couple times like it's okay we all like what's good and we're drawn to what, what, what's good, but then to also, I also feel, and I think you do too, is sometimes the things that we don't like are also the most informative, right? Because it's, you're so repelled by that, that it's like, it puts you off in a new direction, right? Um, so as you're looking at all these things, if you could generalize what were, if the top three things you did not want it to be, what did you not want this new thing to be? We didn't want 
uh, the space to feel impersonal. We mm -hmm. wanted people to feel comfortable. Um, the scale of everything that we were putting in was extremely important. And it varies so dramatically through the building um, that it's um, mind boggling. For example, our main lobby is almost 40 feet uh, tall space. So you can fit a, a four-story building in the lobby. We can fit one of our uh, prototypical hotel designs in the lobby. Um, <laughs> and then we have work floors and, and um, huddle spaces and phone rooms that have eight-foot ceiling. But that's a small space for two people to sit and have a conversation. So completely different experience. So the scale and the, um, uh, the space needed to feel appropriate for the functions that we were putting in. The other big thing is we have 95 years of hospitality history with Mr. Marriott starting the company in, in 1927 as a root beer stand in, in, in Washington, D.C., um, for the last 95 years, we have a very rich history that we, we, we wanted to bring into the building without turning the building into a museum. So how do you bring that history in? What are the touch points? And it's not, and it's not peppered all throughout the floors, but we have these uh, um, surprise points, and I'm not going to disclose all of them because I want everybody to come and, and see for themselves, but some of them are actually even before the security in the, in the space of the, of the lobby that's open to the public. We also have a coffee shop that's open to the public as part of our ground floor experience. And we invite people and the general public to come and see. And we have something that we call the cabinet of curiosities. And that's a wall that features, merit is all about people. And it features not items that are related to the hotels necessarily. They're all related to the people working at those hotels. We have 800,000 uh, associates around the world that, uh, that uh, wear the merit batch every day uh, to work. So when, what do you, how do you, how do you present how do you represent those people and how do you represent their commitment and their history and their backgrounds? Um, and and, and how, how do you make a company out of this? So the cabinet of curiosities has everything from name badges from people from around the world to key cards that were used in properties around the world to the follow me bike that's from that famous picture at the Twin Bridges Marriott, which was the first property that Mr. Marriott built back in 1937. Um, the follow me bike that was after the drive-through registration and then you have somebody on the bike and it takes you to your parking space. And mm. so we have that bike as well in that space, along with some more interactive portions of the exhibit. But the end, we have a portion, um, one of the panels in the cabinet is dedicated to postcards. And these are postcards that people, that they feature married properties, but they're not traditional postcards. These are postcards that were created through, um, uh, th there was a little competition that they announced and all married employees from around the world were able to submit a design for a postcard. And the only requirement was to feature a married property. And it didn't need to be a, a photograph. It didn't need to be a piece of art. It could be computer generated. It could be, um, hand-drawn, it could be watercolored, photograph, anything you want in a postcard format. And they, they 
in I think it was open only for two for a two week period. Mm. They received over nine hundred submissions. I think it was nine hundred and sixty submissions, and we wow. needed sixteen. So they selected the first sixteen, and they will be printed there. And those postcards will be available for people to just take and, and mail from the Merit headquarters to their friends, to themselves, to whoever they want. So that's another thing of, of bringing people and bringing the, 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 the gift and the talent that everybody has into the headquarters in a, in a kind of creative way and an interactive way for everybody to experience. So as, as I'm hearing you speak about um, just the talent and the people and just this leadership growth, Right, I've, you've mentioned this a couple of times. Um, one of the things that I've heard from other conversations um, at Marriott in particular um, is that not everyone in these positions of leadership come from hospitality. They, they're leaders from all different amazing segments and silos and industries. And it seems like this big, um, I don't know, just collaboration and melting of ideas and collisions of ideas. Um, from your experience, I know you've been at Marriott a while, but like, how do you, how do you see all the people sitting in all these seats and these, these great ideas and, you know, having 30 plus brands come together and just all this continual growth and leadership development, like how do you, Describe that to me, because to me, that is also just fascinating to keep track of everything and to grow and to be the biggest. So it, it's, it's, it's very true. It's, uh, um, I am amazed daily, I, and, I, and I don't exaggerate. Every day, um, I learn about new um, entire departments that I didn't know existed in Marriott, not, let alone people, but people's collective and individual talent at Marriott is unbelievable. And um, uh, it's applicable to the entire uh, company, but uh, taking uh, uh, my department as a, as a representative uh, 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 sample of it, um, our day job is to help our ownership groups and um, consultants and, and uh, help them build a successful on-strategy um, you know, uh, profit-making project, hotel somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the complexity of each property, the challenges, um, the, the uh, unforeseen circumstances that we all have to deal with, it takes it way above and beyond design, above and beyond architecture. It's about, um, it takes an enormous skill uh, to allow every single one of us to adapt to each of the 30 or 40 or 50 projects that we typically run, each one of us, um, and to handle it at any given time. So most of the people come from traditional architecture and design background, but not always the case. Some, of, some, some folks in our group, for example, um, and they don't always come from hospitality because as you said earlier, these swim lanes are no longer uh, clear. We, it used to be office, and then you have a hotel, and then you have a restaurant, and then you have a multifamily building. All of this is now together. We don't have lobbies anymore. We have great rooms. We don't have restaurants. We have lounges. We don't have um, uh, just a, a workspace. We have um, 
an experience uh, of, of hospitality even within, within the lobby of the building. Their couches, their uh, the individual armchairs, boots, and so on. So because of this, having people from different industries is actually natural to me. But um, you would find, even within our group, you would find folks that have done offices uh, exclusively in their past, or they have done, um, uh, or they have worked multifamily, but they all bring something to the hospitality industry and to, to, the, to the world of, of Marriott that makes the hotels better. Um, I have a, a friend and a colleague, um, uh, David Alleman. He started as the front desk clerk at the Marriott in Puerto Rico. Um, and he's now an architect and he runs uh, a lot of our um, Caribbean and Latin American projects uh, um, uh, from the headquarters here in Bethesda uh, 15, 20 wow. years later. Uh, so you have people that have built their career from a doorman or, or a, a housekeeping uh, um, attendant all the way through managing a continent of, of projects or properties. So it's fascinating and it's happened and it happens in every single department of the building. So that's why people are always first at Marriott and it's, and it's very important to the, to the company culture um, to have that um, opportunity to have the growth and hence the growth center on the 21st floor makes a lot more sense. Uh, yes. And then, okay. So then that also comes back to the vision of Arnie, correct? That is correct. Yeah. So I know, you know, as as a such an incredible force within our industry, and you know, obviously he's no longer with us, but it is still his vision is still living on in so many different ways. Um, if you, I want to like that vision of you going to all of these different single occupant buildings okay if you think about the vision that arnie had set in place back in 2015 or something and now you guys are on the verge of moving in like in the next week or i think week or two um depending on when this airs um if you envision another group like yourself going around uh, that was going around to look at all the things that they all the different single occupant buildings when someone else is going to do their own building and then they come look at your building, what do you think that they would walk away feeling? Like how, how would that impact and inspire them? Well, I, I hope it will. I know we're getting a lot of requests for people to tour the building, even if, if, even if, when it was uh, uh, still under construction. Um, um, and, and our policy was to wait for the building to open before we bring our partners and, and friends in, um, because just like a, a home, we want to show the best of the best and not halfway through construction. So uh, with that said, I hope that they would walk away after, after seeing the building and after being able to experience all the amenities and, and uh, the features that we have uh, built into the design I think they, I hope that they would walk away with a feeling of um, uh, hospitality. I hope that they would walk away with a feeling of uh, scale, of great design, of warm design. Uh, we did use uh, very uh, um, 
uh, warm materials throughout the building. It's, it's not the typical office finishes that you would see. We have a lot of wood. We have a lot of exposed concrete. We have open ceilings. It is very, um, it's not industrial looking and, and I can't wait to tour you uh, as our guest, of course, but it's, it's more about um, having the openness and the welcomeness. And I, I hope that these guys would walk away with something that uh, they can uh, learn from and they can uh, uh, aim at um, uh, building into their future uh, headquarters or, or office buildings. Yeah. And part of me feels that uh, what I'm hoping when you tour me around and I walk around is I just, I I'm expecting, and I know, and I know I won't be let down this much better fusion between hospitality and office and just experience. Um, I know I just heard so much about it and I'm, and I'm so excited. And also if you think about it from a recruiting perspective, um, I know that I've had a lot of friends over the years that have applied and got very far down the road um, to where like they had a job offer in front of them to go work at Marriott, which is like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I can't, like I'm so honored that they saw value in me and all this. And they're like, but I don't know if I could go work in suburban Bethesda. Like it's just hard to get to and blah, 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 which in reality, it's like a five minute bus ride or five minute shuttle ride from the existing metro station, but whatever, everyone wants convenience. But when I think about the, the handful of people that I know that got to that point at, at the previous HQ, I think that you're basically taking that away a hundred percent by being a block from the metro. Like, how are you guys looking at that from a, from a people and recruiting perspective? Well, that was definitely a, a huge consideration and, and a, a, a big um, push behind finding a location close to metro, close to public transport. Uh, we have had issues that um, you were mentioning with people literally refusing job offers um, because of the location. Um, yeah. I mean... Uh, younger people, uh, they prefer not to own a car. They prefer to take public transportation. They prefer to walk. They prefer to ride their scooters. Um, that was not quite possible with the with the current location of the old headquarters. Uh, the new location is all of the above and then some. And not only that, but people are paying more and more attention to sustainability and building efficiency and green features, and we can go on and on and on of every certification that we've gotten for the new, and we're still to get some of them uh, for the new headquarters, everything from lead gold for core and shell to uh, we're still waiting on the lead gold for commercial interiors. We have uh, uh, fit well certification uh, on uh, um, as a target as well, which is um, a lot has a lot more to do with the experiences within the building, whether it's uh, healthy food choices, uh, clean air, clean water, um, uh, fitness uh, uh, facilities, and so on. So all of these things are something that people um, expect from office buildings nowadays, and they would make their choice uh, based on whether this employer or this company offers any or all of those, or they would go to the next guy over. 
uh, it's it, just how it works. Money is not everything, uh, and salary is important. I know, but uh, but it's an extra day, benefit. It's it's like a it's a tangible benefit that not that's not necessarily cash related, but it's also just like lifestyle related. Look, absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean our main. I, I was just going to say, for me, moving to Connecticut, you know, I still have an office in the city, but like, I just miss walking around a lot more. It's not that I can't just go walk here, but I yeah. like walking around other people. I like the density. I miss it. So I'm super excited for um, this new chapter that that you guys are doing, but I'm sorry I had to cut you off there. What were you about to say? No, 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 I was, I was going to say, I mean, even, even if you look at some of the amenities that we've had, we've designed into the new building, our, our fitness center is one of the best fitness centers I've I've been to ever. Uh, I mean, we have 14 foot ceilings and we have uh, floor to ceiling windows and literally the latest and the the greatest from fitness equipment perspective from our partners, uh, the three big uh, fitness manufacturers um, for our daycare. We have probably oh, the, wow. the, the best daycare in, in town. We have 8,000 square foot outdoor playground on the third floor, completely covered, protected. No way. Yep, true story. Okay, so wait, that sounds amazing. So wait, <laughs> let me, so let's say, you know, my kids are a little bit older now, but let's say I was working there and I had, you know, my younger kids who weren't yet in grammar school, so to speak, maybe before mm-hmm. kindergarten. Can I just, bring them there to daycare how does that work yep uh just like any other daycare but uh, it's only uh it's only available to merit associates and it's a state-of-the-art uh, facility that we've designed uh with our partners at gensler um we have everything from stem rooms and labs and classrooms and uh, uh but the by far uh, the kid and me the outdoor playground is something because it is a it is outdoor space, but it's covered. It's literally usable year round because it's covered. It's got fans on the ceiling. Um, it's got outdoor equipment, slides, and two different groups for the younger kids and those that are a little bit old, older. So they're different slides, higher slides, lower slides, all of that, uh, swings and so on. So, um, do you have that right now uh, at the at the existing HQ? We have a daycare. Um, no, but it's nearly. nothing. It doesn't nearly compare to this. No, from a facilities more. perspective. Wow, so that's huge. One of one of one of many features that that we have in the new building. Um, what else we have? Uh, the twenty first century version of the hot shop. Uh, that would be our cafeteria, which is uh, 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 very well designed, uh, very elevated. It has everything from. Um, international station to pre-ordering to mobile ordering so you can just go and uh, pick it up it will be waiting in a in a uh, designated cubby Um, it's all self-pay you don't have to wait for anything there are checkout stations throughout the space and you go and you and of course there are line stations as well where you can order a burger and have it cooked for you and wait there or have a salad made for you and so I, I actually, I have a question because I don't remember exactly when it was because we have this two-year um, pandemic. Mind. Everything is last uh, year time. in my book. I keep yeah, every, okay. It's last year. It's no, it was three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Exa- so it was either three or four or five years ago. I don't remember when, but the, ex- uh, the, the existing HQ did a complete lobby transformation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where... 
and I thought it like some pretty incredible and innovative experiments with kind of glass collaboration rooms, huddle rooms, um, just other breakout and meeting rooms with really cool teleconferencing capabilities, but super almost, it reminded me of like walking into the Star Trek Enterprise at one point, right? It was just, it was really cool. And like all that stuff was really activated and people, they were always, at least when I was there, they seemed to always be full and used. Was that almost as a, as a concurrent laboratory for what you would apply to the, to the new HQ or did that exist separately? Like how did those, did any of that inform what's happening at the new HQ? It, it was not intentional, but yes, it did inform what was happening at the new HQ. And probably I'm going to um, uh, air some, some laundry here, but uh, I'm going to mention it still. What we did on the first floor of Fernwood, our, our old headquarters, was we renovated and we created all these spaces, which were beautiful meeting rooms, beautiful active meeting room spaces where you can be on a treadmill and have four people or two people against each other and talk while walking and so on. And uh, treadmill desks, right? Not mm -hmm. fitness treadmill. But um, so all of this was great, but it was one of six floors. So what was happening, everybody wanted to have a meeting in the Bethesda room on the first floor, uh, but we had 4,000 people and 14 seats in that room. So that was that was challenging. Unless you book it three months in advance, probably you weren't going to get that room. Um, mm. and, and this was something that we um, that became very purposeful in the new headquarters design uh, with our partners at Gensler. When we started laying out the floors, what we did was actually uh, making sure that every floor, now that the footprint of the floor went from 110,000 square feet to 28-ish, uh, 30 maybe, and depends on what you count within the footprint. Now, every floor has something we call the South Hub. And this is a space, and, and we call it the South Hub because it's facing south, not, not all that creative, but um, it has a series of five meeting rooms there are very elevated, elevated finishes, elevated AV experience, built-in microphones, all of that. And it happens on every floor. Every work floor would have those nice rooms that we were fighting, we were all fighting for at the old headquarters. So, and then the little huddle spaces that we had on the ground floor, these little banquets that you can have a one-on-one -on -one with somebody along the corridor as, as you're coming through, if you remember uh, that. Um, same thing. What's hap is happening now on every single floor of, of the new headquarters. So mm -hmm. you have these informal spaces. Um, and then when the pandemic happened and we had to reevaluate the design, we were halfway through construction. So our solution was chances are not everybody's going to come back to the office Monday through Friday, eight to five, right? When people come to the office, they'll probably come to collaborate. They'll come to talk to each other. They'll come to have uh, time with their team. So we took out about 27, 28% of the workstations that we have designed in the open floor plan. We took them out and, wow. we, and we replaced them with collaboration furniture. Some of it is more formal, more like a communal table with power, with uh, uh, um, uh, data uh, connectivity and everything. And some of it is very informal. It's literally this, this plywood 
uh, modular pieces that you can move around and stack and create an amphitheater if you want and just have a, a meeting with 10 people. And of course, we have the technology um, all uh, wireless. So we have this uh, uh, Microsoft Surface um, 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 touch screens that are literally a, a, a Surface computer on steroids because they're, I don't know, they're 70 inches or so. And they are on a mobile cart and they have their own internal battery and everything else. And you plug in them overnight and then you unplug them in the morning and you can roll them on all, all day and you have a big screen that you can put anywhere on the floor. So that was, that was another question of mine. Okay, because that's super amazing because to, to have the foresight to think about that, that, okay, it's going to be a hybrid situation or more of a hybrid situation. There will be a lot more collaboration when people are in. And then hearing you talk about the all these technological advances, it, what, how challenging was the technology to get all that to integrate with the new space and the layout? Because I'm assuming none of that stuff is really off the shelf as far as from booking the rooms that you want how do you just make sure everything is working in those? I can't even imagine the like That's the, whole the programming behind it. And and is that and did everything you learn in doing that is that going to is are you taking any of that into your hotel operations as well? Because I think oh, we, you must that must have been an incredible laboratory. We definitely learned a few lessons along the way, and you're absolutely correct. As cutting edge as everything is, um, just like with your phone, nothing works from the first time. Um, so it, there was a learning curve. There was some back and forth in terms of finding the right balance of being high tech enough without being on the on the bleeding edge of 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 uh, new technology because mm-hmm. we're multiplying everything by seven hundred and fifty thousand square feet. It's not if it's one room that we're talking about. We can experiment all we want. Uh, we will replace that TV or touchscreen or whatever technology we put in that room uh, with the next one that comes in tomorrow and it's all good. But hopefully we have to last a few years with the technology that we have now, that we've built in now. And it was, it was critical for us to find that right middle of not being so crazy high tech that anything hardly works, but to have the capabilities without without um, having the, the, the being, being the absolute uh, first company uh, incorporating a, a given piece of the technology. And the, the biggest challenge it was integrating all the different vendors because it all sounds good. It's like, no, it just we'll just mirror my phone on the TV. Yeah, but you have an iPhone, I have an Android, somebody else has a Google phone, third one. And, it, and it's not, and it just, and it goes on and on and on. And it goes Mac versus PC laptops and so on. Everything has to work the same way. Everything has to work um, seamlessly. So when you start, and then you have, of course, the technology in terms of hardware that is in the rooms or in the space, whether it's a monitor, whether it's a microphone, whether it's a, a wireless touchscreen somewhere to control the the, the, the blinds or to control the lights or to control the, the volume of the, of the speakers, all of these things have to, they come from different manufacturers. They have to talk to each other. They have to talk to the elevators, which are also smart elevators. I mean, everything in the building is designed 
to talk to each other. But the challenge with this is we got to make sure they talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. And then how, so in, in learning from that, and I'm sure as like all 3000 people plus that move in there, you know, you're, there's going to be a learning curve and, and what, and, and all that good stuff of when you, you know, you're first starting it up, how I, I as getting everything to talk and be seamless in a way as a business traveler too, it's also frustrating for me when I check into a room, like, ah, like what is going on? Did you take any learnings from, from developing HQ to the guest room experience or, or a future guest room experience that might be coming? Absolutely. So um, in addition to actually learning from the office space, we're building our innovation space within the HQ and the hotel across the street, where we'll have our model rooms, which we currently have at the basement um, in, uh, at Fernwood, at the old uh, headquarters. And we are continuing to develop these technologies and test them in an actual hotel room, not an actual hotel room, but in a hotel room mock-up and hotel room environment. And that's something that's that's ongoing. That's not never going to stop. And it has, I mean, the, the headquarters project is helping it, but it's not the sole contributor to developing that technology. We're constantly looking whether it's uh, mobile key, whether it's mobile check-in, whether it's self-check-in, whether it's um, uh, technology for ordering food, for uh, uh, getting other information when you're on property and so on. Everything is... Uh, everything is is getting developed in a way that would provide the experience that the guests are expecting when they stay at one of our properties. I think another exciting thing is that you're going to have your new headquarters, the, the class A office tower, but then there's also the new HQ hotel across the street. So it seems to me like all of the different hotel ownership groups, management companies, everyone who's coming in to see and meet and collaborate they're going to actually get to stay in your hotel that's right there too. And then I forgot, you mentioned the uh, the, the model rooms that you'll be having. It, someone was telling me, I think it's like a secret, there's going to be like a, a secret floor, which will be like a laboratory in the in the hotel where you'll build out the model rooms so that everything is going to be right there and so convenient and dense. To walk us through that. Yeah, I know. No pressure, right? On the hotel. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. So we were super careful with the hotel and we had uh, a great partner in uh, Bernstein uh, companies uh, who are the owners of the, of the hotel next door to the headquarters. And as you said, Dan, it was everybody and their brother was involved in this hotel from a management perspective, from HQ perspective, from brand perspective to make sure that this is a property that's um, exemplary, that uh, meets every single brand standard that we currently have for the Marriott brand. And it is a Marriott hotel. It's not, uh, it's not one of our other 29 brands. Uh, but um, the challenge was um, we wanted to be innovative. At the same time, we wanted to stay within the guidelines of, of our design standards. So what if we do something that's really interesting, but it doesn't meet the standards. And now the next ownership group is gonna come and visit and, and we're trying to convince them to build something on strategy. And they would say, well, you didn't do it in the hotel across the street, why, why should I do it? So, oh. so we, we had to balance all of this. So having 
the innovation rooms within the hotel gives us that extra opportunity to actually experiment and it's the, the global design strategies folks and, and my colleagues uh, at the other end of the floor who would be running those rooms as they have at Fernwood and they will um, uh, keep developing. Um, they will continue to develop the, uh, each of the brands that we are representing in, in those uh, spaces and maybe a new strategy comes up for the next version of the AC that's gonna get built out, it's gonna get tested, it's gonna get, um, uh, um, you know, they'll kick the tires and make sure that everything works the way it's supposed to work. The best part about this and something that's really exciting is unlike the model rooms that we currently have or that we had at the old headquarters, the new ones are actually fully plumbed, fully powered, they're functioning rooms. Somebody can stay, they can go and take a shower, they can brush their teeth, they can see if the, the bathroom's good enough for makeup um, or if the bed is soft enough or if the light through the window is too much or if the curtains are not uh, blacking out uh, enough light. So they will be actual functioning rooms. Oh, no way. So if, if I were developing a hotel, a, a new AC or a courtyard or whatever from your 30 brands, I could actually stay in the latest generation of that room in the hotel and Correct. I could spend the night in there? Well, technically you can. I'm not sure it would be something that I'm booking the Bethesda downtown hotel and I end up staying at a courtyard room. Uh, uh -huh. it's not, it won't work that way, but we definitely will be able to put focus groups or ownership groups or people that we want to get um, uh, 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 feedback from. Oh so, yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean the general public. I meant I, if I were going to be developing a, you name the Marriott brand, right? And I was the owner, and I was like, oh, I just have questions. I want to really experience it. I, I in that theory, be possible. I, wow, that's really cool. Oh wow, that that's amazing. Because right now in the basement on Fern in Fernwood, it I guess they're not plumbed, are they? No, they're just no. there, but they're not. But it, it's still a good approximation of the room. Like you really get the feel for what it is, but then to to actually make it livable is pretty awesome. Yep, it's a completely different story because, as I said, you can experience one of the five senses in the current rooms versus staying in the new rooms you get to experience the other four as well, right? Yeah. And that comes back to the beginning of hospitality. It's tying in all the senses. Exactly. So in a way, you know, you're, you weren't getting the complete picture. And now this whole move downtown, you're able to tie everything together and get the complete picture. That's the idea. Okay. So let's pretend you guys are open right now. And what is exciting you most about Everyone's there. Everyone's working. Things are happening. As you're sitting there in your new HQ, you're bringing your, I don't know, everything is humming the right way. What's exciting from that moment? What's exciting you most about the future of what, what your experience at Marriott will be? For me personally, um, I'm, I, in terms of moving into the new building, I, if we were trying to time it, uh, we couldn't have picked uh, a, a better time frame because with where we've been for the last two and a half years, with everybody 
staring at, at small pictures on the screen and seeing each other once every six months. Um, coming into the new building builds that excitement within the team and within the company as a whole, because here's our new home, here are completely different experiences than what we had at the old headquarters. It would bring the people together and I think it would energize not just um, the, the individuals, but also would bring new energy within the teams. And I think that's something that's absol absolutely uh, exciting and, it's, and it will lead to new uh, achievement, to, to innovation, to more um, collaborative environment. And I'm, I'm excited about that. As far as um, me and, and, and our team, my, my most exciting project is always the next one. So I look forward to our new builds that are coming. I look forward to some great conversions that we have. I, knew, I look forward to uh, getting some of our new uh, uh, brand standards uh, implemented into the next uh, uh, property we, we developed. And uh, mostly, seeing and working with people in 3D versus the screen is what I'm looking forward to. Oh yeah, I can't, I mean, that's gonna be fantastic. And I, it's really true, the opening and just kind of staying on target with all the construction and getting it to where, you know, it appears the world is back to somewhat normal. Um, and to be opening this, I don't know, th this new headquarters or it's really the heartbeat of, Marriott really, but to be able to have this open for the world's largest hospitality company right now at this time, I mean, that really the timing couldn't be better. So it's almost as if uh, with Arnie's vision took all of this into account and then here we are and it's all happening. I know, I know. And it, I think the last time you were, you were down here in Bethesda, even the plaza between the building and the uh, and the hotel next door was not complete. Um, so I can't wait to have you over and experience that outdoor space as well, which is uh, which is beautiful. And it's it's a pedestrian plaza. It's kind of it's kind of intimate, but it's also connecting two very major, major uh, streets within uh, downtown Bethesda, and uh, it has the outdoor space for the hotel uh, lobby bar and restaurant. And it has the outdoor space for the HQ coffee shop. And they all have these folding partitions that open up on nice days like today. And it becomes this absolutely activated space um, by even, even people that are not, you can see, sometimes I would sit and watch people and you can see them walking down one side or the other and they see the plaza and they weren't going that way by any means of the, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. They all 90 degree turn and straight into the plaza yeah. and they start wandering around. So it's, it works, it, it works. And, and we, uh, we, we've done a few things right, I think at least based on these early experiences. And I can't wait to get everybody in the building um, and uh, get the feedback. And I'm pretty sure it will be a living project. We'll be able to improve further. But transitioning Marriott from not simply being the world's largest uh, uh, hotel company, but also being the world's favorite travel company, 
um, I hope that the, the the new headquarters will have a big role into that. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, all 3,000 people are going to move in day one? Yeah, Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine that, Dan, right? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with that? No, yeah. it is, uh, we have a very strong um, um, uh, change management team. Uh, within within uh, the company, and uh, they have worked with every single department uh, in the building. To uh, we have these uh, move champions; um, those are folks that are leading the the uh, each of the departments from a, from a transition perspective, and they get coordinated in terms of uh, what department moves uh, on what date. And it would be a process that would continue over six or seven weeks before wow. all the 3,000 people are into the building. And then throughout that time, we have people that are, um, they, they, they have different uniforms and they're identifiable and they're there to help you. Whether you need to understand how to plug you in your computer or how to call the elevator or how to get to the turnstiles or anything in between, they'll be there to help everybody and guide everybody. And that's why we can't have everybody on the same day because we. I'm just always so fascinated how just these, like a change management team or the people in the different color uniforms, like how large organizations manage change. Cause it, it really, everything is always changing, but this is a dramatic change. And to have someone easily recognizable that I can be like, Hey, I can't make this thing work or, and just having them be there so that, you know, you're really like lowering everyone's stress, stress and anxiety about a move. Cause every people, you know, I'm sure there's p- people who are just used to for 30 years being at uh, Fernwood. And I'm sure there's a lot of stress as exciting as it is. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are really stressed out about change as well. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, uh, as we as we were talking earlier, there's no such thing as first first impression twice, right? So if you if you come in and that first impression is a negative experience, I mean it will take a while before people change their minds. So what we're trying to do is make that first impression, first experience as as uh, flawless and as fluid and as uh, exciting as it can possibly be. So that not only um, that individual feels feels uh, good coming into the new building, but they also build the excitement with all of their friends and all of their 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 colleagues that they're talking about. Because imagine if you were the first one coming in on Monday and go, "Ooh, took me half an hour to get through the turnstiles." Um, the guys that are coming on Tuesday, they'll never they'll never show up. So that's the last <laughs> thing we want, right? So we we uh, we are trying, and and these folks uh, from the uh, from the um, change management team and the people that will be guiding actually the associates, they have been training for weeks of what and how and why, and um, so we hope that it will be a very smooth process. Yeah, and it's also thinking about just all the lessons that you guys have learned just as providers of hospitality um it's like the ultimate laboratory of change right it's 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 like someone coming in off a red eye checking in being late for a meeting but like times a hundred right and for and for your own employees and teammates right it's uh so 
the stakes are very high and it's uh, I'm, I'm so excited to come down and, and get a tour and, and see what it's all about. I cannot wait. I, I always compare it to building your own house, right? And when you build your own house, every single cousin and uncle um, have, has an opinion, right? Because they have a kitchen, so they know how to design your kitchen as well. Well, mm-hmm. imagine having 3,000 cousins. Um, and it's, it's the nature of the process, right? Everybody, yeah. everybody feels ownership of mm-hmm. the new space and they want to be involved. Uh, but there's different ways of involvement and there are different paths of involvement. And we want to be inclusive and we want to make sure that everybody's needs are addressed. But I'm pretty sure we have some misses here and there and it's going to be, it's going to be work in progress and we'll, we'll get to a happy place. Uh, but I hope that this first few weeks will be as smooth as possible so that we can start on the right foot and we'll only get better from there. Yeah. And um, Rado, how, how, how long ago did you start at Marriott? Uh, it will be my five years in September. Five years. Wow. That's amazing. And just to think about those five years that you've just all the change in that five years is so freaking crazy. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, this has been so wonderful. Uh, how, Rado, how can people connect with you um, after, after listening to this? Um, LinkedIn, probably the best way. Um, right. I don't do a lot of social media, but LinkedIn, I'm, I'm there. So you can always find me there. And uh, I am doing my best to respond to uh, all, the, all the notes I get. But if it takes a few days, please be patient. Awesome. Uh, and we'll put that in the, in the liner notes as well. And then also we'll put up the Marriott website and everything else. Um, but Rado, I want to say thank you so much. I'm so excited. Um, for this transformational change at Marriott. Um, and I'm just also so honored and grateful for your time. Dan, it, it was a pleasure. As I said in the beginning, I, I, I've been listening to your uh, uh, episodes all, all the time. So uh, being a part of it uh, was, was a dream come true. And uh, I really appreciate the invite. And as always, great seeing you, great talking to you. I, uh, you- I, I always get inspired by your positivity and your, your and your uh, broad thinking. So thank you for that as well. And uh, I look forward to having you here in Bethesda soon. Well, thank you. And now you're making me blush. Um, and also, most importantly, I want to thank our listeners because the, the show keeps growing and it's all because of you and word of mouth. So if thinking about um, hospitality if you're thinking about hospitality has changed even in the slightest bit, or you looked at it a different way, just from this conversation with Rado and the transformation that Marriott is undergoing, um, please pass it along. It's all word of mouth. And I appreciate you all so much for listening to us. So thank you everyone. And we will catch you next time.